that's the intro <laughs> to our episode today. The faxes on taxes. And uh, you've got a tax expert here calling in to verify all the information. Excellent. Tax expert. What was your name again? I'm sorry. My name is Gene. Okay. And I'm a tax expert. Hey, Gene. Thanks for joining us today. Gene. I know a lot about taxes. Okay. All right. I know ins and outs. So. Excellent. I'm glad to have you on the show today. We're going to turn to you probably midway through the show when we start talking about the IRS requirements for 501c3 status for churches. So appreciate you joining. All right. Yeah. Yeah, of you. course. Yeah. So, folks, with the faxes on taxes, we're going to jump into it. And it's kind of fun, I think, even though it sounds like maybe a boring episode. <laughs> taxes. <laughs> Uh, I think you guys... There are two things only that are certain in life. Death and taxes. I wonder who the first person is who, like, came up with that saying. I bet It probably wasn't Banny Boy. No. (laughs) I bet we could find it. So, before we jump into all that tax shenanigan stuff... Shenanigans! Lucky charms! Um, oh, it's a green cover. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk about a little bit of the LDS the church LDS. in the news. Pass me one of them cigars, would you? <coughs> yeah, <coughs> too big of a puff. Oh. <laughs> Oh, that's some good stuff. <laughs> Wait, is this uh, even a cigar? No, oh, no. no, yeah. Whoops. Fifi. Okay. All right, here we go. couple things today in the news. First of all, these are both from the Tribune. The first one's titled, How Black Latter-day Saints Reacted to Dallin Oaks's, otherwise known as D-Hoax, mention of Black Lives Matter. Bum, bum, <laughs> this is by Peggy Fletcher Stack, by the way. We've read some of her stuff before. When the words Black Lives Matter appeared on a TV screen just below the face of Dallin H. Oaks, who is next in line to lead the church's snakes, black members let out a collective gasp of surprise, wonder, and joy. (laughs) (laughs) Oaks, the 88-year-old... In no particular order. No, yeah, exactly, right? uh, D. Hoax, the 88-year-old first counselor in the face governing first presidency, was speaking virtually this week about racism to students at church-owned Brigham Young University and had just declared that, quote, Black Lives Matter is an eternal truth all reasonable people should support. Are you here with us, D? I just called in. I would like to clarify my statements on Black Lives Matter. Okay, what is that? Please, please. Uh, I know that I said publicly that it's a wonderful organization, but there are three things in which I would like to clarify. Okay. Number one, Black Lives Matter is a hoax. Number Uh. two, Black Lives Matter comes from Cain. And number three, do not join this organization. Okay. Thank you. I'm set. Thank you. Thank God. you for that clarification. Yeah, that, right. that's well, liber- liberating information. All right. Well, let's let's continue with the article here quickly. Uh, he did not endorse, to your credit, Mr. Oaks, he did not endorse the movement known as Black Lives Matter, but neither did he condemn it, even as some conservatives have derided it as Marxist or anti-family. 
Oaks did say that not everything that is done under the banner of the Black Lives Matter, including, quote, abolishing the police or seriously reducing their effectiveness or changing our constitutional government, unquote, commands universal backing. Quote, all these are appropriate subjects for advocacy, but not under what we hope to be the universally acceptable message, Black Lives Matter, unquote. Mm. Black Latter-day Saints immediately began calling and texting one another with the news. It just cracks me up, like, what, all two right. Black Latter-day Saints were doing that? <laughs> <laughs> Oaks boldly emphasized the most basic of Christian truths when stating that Black Lives Matter, said Gray, who co-founded the Genesis Group in 71, a support organization for Black Latter-day Saints. Because, you know, in the true church, the only true and living church in the world— you need a support group that is separate from the church to support Black Latter Day Saints, right? Exactly, because that makes sense. That, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I don't understand your confusion. Yeah, I, just I checking because because yeah. that makes total okay. sense. And I would be an active Black member if I thought that a separate organization to support Black members was needed. Yeah, that that makes sense to me. All right. Those simple words have given solace to millions around the world, not just in the USA, while they simultaneously been mischaracterized as everything opposite of what it means to be American. All right. Well, praise the Lord, exulted Kathy Stokes, a former public health professional who joined the church in Chicago in 1979. Good timing. <laughs> right after the priesthood. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Someone say, someone say that's the Lord's perfect timing. Yeah, the Lord's perfect timing. Yes, that's right. It was inspiration. Yeah, give credit to God uh, and Santa Claus. In and now lives in Utah. It has been a long time coming, she says. Yeah, because again, in the only true church of the world, these kinds of practical, reasonable, equitable doctrines <laughs> should take a long time to come, right? Because that makes sense. All right, back to Oaks' use of Black Lives Matter served two purposes, said LaShawn Williams, an African-American Latter-day Saint. The Latter-day Saint apostle recognized the, quote, actual movement as a series of activities, Williams said, and that is a, quote, rooted in the eternal principle that Black Lives Matter, unquote. Okay, great. Williams said this is a starting point. I think back to the B1 commemoration, which happened, uh, you know, a while back here now. Uh, It would have been Two years ago, right? 2018, 40 years after extending priesthood <laughs> to blacks. Well, might as well be. Um, and uh, how, how the NAACP was like, yeah, we were all excited, and then nothing's happened since then. It's like, oh, big surprise. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. My mind always goes to like, these metaphors. When something like that happens, when the church comes out and says some statement like that, like, we need to embrace, whether it's embrace or, you know, flirt with the line of, you know, if you, Black Lives Matter might be a good organization. Mm-hmm. When Whenever the church comes out with some kind of bullshit statement, when they're trying to stay neutral. I think in this case, if there was an abusive, like a, a man that had been abusing his wife for years and years physically beating her and then one day he was like you know what any organization that condemns abuse is wonderful it's a wonderful <laughs> thing right yeah good like girl. why would we try without any apology without any acknowledgement of no like, apology you know i actually have been beating my wife for decades and i'm so sorry now just 
just coming out and saying, yeah, uh, maybe you should uh, look at this organization and maybe, maybe it's good. Maybe it's good. Yeah, it's a great comparison. Yeah, a couple of so, final s- statements on this news article yeah. so we don't use the whole hour on this news article. I had to mention them. There's no doubt that, quote, Mormonism is rich with allusions to lineage and blood genealogy in its theology and practices, said the Black Latter-day Saint. This is from Janin Graham Russell, doctrinal candidate at Harvard. Okay. However, early in the church's history, some church leaders combined ideas about lineage with ideas about race. Nods to lineage and blood were used by pro-slavery advocates over pulpits to justify slavery and segregationists to justify white supremacy, especially references to black people supposedly of Canaan lineage, unquote. Well, she does sound very educated. I'm a little confused about the blood and race because they have always been closely linked and still are, so I'm not sure exactly what she's referencing there. The church has disavowed that black skin is a sign of divine disfavor or that black people are descended from the biblical Cain, which is another way of saying the church has thrown old prophets under the bus, right? Mm -hmm. How do you justify that? Whatever. But, Graham Russell said, the faith, quote, has yet to reckon publicly, to your point, Mitch, with its historical relationship to white supremacy. So this is the last piece I wanted to share here from Oaks. In his speech, Oaks offered biblical examples of racial divisions, but defended them, saying, quote, Some might call such divine actions and prophet-taught principles racist, but God, who is the loving father of all nations, (laughs) tribes, and ethnicities, cannot be branded as racist for his dealings with his children, unquote. That's Ah, complete sovereignty. I mean, he's not. Yes, God, even if he asks you to do something heinous, it's good because it came from God. Mm-hmm. Whatever that means. So, so back to the happiness letter. Yeah, yeah. That Whatever whole. God requires is right because it's God. So we're not going to apologize for those prior teachings because they came from God, not us. So, Or in other words, may have been racist, but... He changed his mind, and that's okay. <laughs> well, he's God, our second episode was up about God's schizophrenic nature. Yes, so that God, ex- that explains it all. The and- Mormon God is the epitome of schizophrenia. Yes, that's right. Okay, here's another news article in Arizona during the campaign. Senator Mike Lee compares Trump to Captain Moroni. And it's oh criticized, he's criticized by LDS members. <laughs> but oh. this, this is, uh, I want to know the criticism. Okay. I want to know why. Well, here we is go. It because they were like, oh, yeah. Trump. Okay, I'll, I'll be Yeah, quiet. here we go. No, here we go. I, I haven't even read the whole article. I just had to read it because of the title. So Senator Mike Lee, for those who don't know, he's LDS. Senator Mike Lee drew criticism from members this week after comparing President Donald Trump to Captain Moroni, a heroic and selfless figure in the Book of Mormon. Quote, to my Mormon friends, my Latter-day Saint friends, think of him as Captain Moroni, Lee, Republican for Utah, said during a Goodyear rally Wednesday as he pointed to Trump in front of a large crowd of mostly maskless supporters. Quote, he seeks not power but to pull it down. 
He seeks not the praise of the world or the fake news, but he seeks the well-being and the peace of the American people, unquote. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I mm. met, and you know what? This is very mm. applicable to our topic today because it represents something that a politician who's Mormon should not be doing. But we'll talk about that later. In the Book of Mormon, oh, sorry. On, on stage, yes. <laughs> In the Book of Mormon, <laughs> Captain Moroni is described as a virtuous, selfless man who did everything in his power to serve and care for others, according to Yasser Sanchez, a member of the church who's supporting Democrat Joe Biden for president. <laughs> Captain Moroni is a different figure from the angel Moroni, whose statue sits atop many Mormon temples today. Captain Moroni sought to do good, to serve others, protect the freedom of others, which are the complete opposite characteristics of the traits that Donald J. Trump has, Sanchez said. <laughs> <laughs> I don't this, think this is what gets me. I I uh, can't deal with this kind of logic because yeah. Captain Moroni. I mean, in all honesty, he is like Trump. Yeah, and that's what I love about Mormons is they're like, don't compare Trump to Captain Moroni. And I'm like, dude, hey, let's take let's take a step back. Captain Moroni was a tyrant, guys. Yeah, he, he killed was. people if they didn't believe in God. Yeah, <laughs> like he he was a tyrant. And yeah. so it's it's just so ironic to me that they're like, don't you dare compare Captain Moroni to Trump. And it's like, no, he actually is, for lack of a yeah, better comparison, more like Captain yeah. Moroni. Yeah, it's kind of funny. <laughs> he says, I don't think anyone who is honest with their understanding of what Captain Moroni was saying would say this is a person who we should compare Donald Trump to. Uh, yeah. Despite the comparison to Moroni, Sanchez said the use of his religion for political purposes is a larger problem. Bing, 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 bing. Yeah, mm. that's the problem. The issue is cheapening one's faith to promote a political candidate who doesn't reflect the values of that faith, Sanchez said. How about even if he did reflect the values, I would add? You're not supposed yeah. to do that. Yeah. I'll stop there. It's a pretty funny article. So much to say, and I don't want to spend the rest of our time on that. So, Dave. So, why do some organizations get to be tax-exempt and others don't? Well, let's talk a little bit about the history of that. So, we have a couple things we pulled up here, guys, and we'll run through this. And I think this title, Dave and Mitch, kind of sets the tone, or the title of this question, if you will, this question that was posed. The First Amendment says nothing about, quote, separation of church and state, or, quote, wall of separation between church and state. Where does this idea come from? Is it really part of the law? And we're starting with the separation of church and state here because this relates directly to churches being tax exempt. Just so you guys know, right? So uh, mm -hmm. really, really quickly, some tidbits. Although the words separation of church and state do not appear in the First Amendment, the Establishment Clause was intended to separate church from state. When the First Amendment was adopted in 1791, the Establishment Clause applied only to the federal government, prohibiting the federal government from any involvement in religion. By 1833, all states had disestablished religion from government, providing protections for religious liberty in state constitutions. So that's another, so a couple of these things I had not remembered. I'm sure I learned this at some point, but I had forgotten. In the 20th century, the U.S. Supreme Court applied the Establishment Clause to the states through the 14th Amendment. So it's the 14th Amendment, the Establishment Clause, that really kind of took us further to this idea. Today, the Establishment Clause prohibits all levels of government from either advancing or inhibiting religion. So that's kind of the, the basis there. 
and it mm-hmm. go, this this goes on from there. If you guys want who are listening want to read more of this, it is kind of interesting. It's at the freedomforuminstitute.org. The title of the thing again being the first amendment says nothing about separation of church and state. Just google that and you'll you'll find the article. So that's a little bit of the background. Now how about this piece about churches being exempt from taxes? Which is kind of a big deal. So U.S. churches, this is from BritannicaProcon.org, churchesandtaxes.procon.org, <laughs> whatever. Um, History of churches and taxes. U.S. churches received an official federal income tax exemption in 1894. So a good deal longer, right, after the whole constitutional period there. And they have been unofficially tax-exempt since the country's founding. So there was some unofficial stuff happening, and then it was made official in 1894. So there's the background. All 50 U.S. states and the District of Columbia now exempt churches from paying property tax. So that might clue you into why a lot of organizations want to buy up land and buildings and things, because... There's no property tax on those, so good asset. Donations to churches are also tax deductible, and we may recall that from when we paid tithing and we tried to, you know, get tax deduction on our tithing and our taxes. The debate continues over whether or not these tax benefits should be retained, which is true. There's a constant debate over that. Proponents argue that a tax exemption keeps the government out of church finances and thus upholds the separation of church and state that we just talked about. They say that churches deserve a tax break because they provide crucial social services and that church tax exemptions have been in place for over 200 years. So that last argument being my favorite. Um, You know, my grandma used to cut the ends off of the roast, so I should keep cutting the ends off of the roast when I put it in the oven, right? Why did Grandma yeah. do that? Because her pan was really small. But who cares about the real reason, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> opponents argue that giving churches special tax exemptions violates the separation of church and state and that tax exemptions are a privilege, not a right, guaranteed by the U.S. Constitution. They say that in tough economic times, the government cannot afford what amounts to a subsidy worth billions of dollars every year, which is also a fair statement. And it goes mm-hmm. on from it goes on from there, but that basically the point is in 1894 it became official. All right. Yes. Here's, here's something that Richard Dawkins said when he was asked his opinion on this. This is two minutes long, so it's not a, a lengthy thing here. Let's see what Dawkins said about this. And in post edit, I will try to fix some of this audio because it's a little hard to hear. But let's uh, let's go forward. Many Americans have still not figured out why religious organizations receive tax-exempt status. You, as a Brit, have you been able to figure out why (laughs) American religious organizations receive this esteemed tax-exempt status? Because you can basically start a religion, etc., and receive tax-exempt status. Um, As your man did. uh, uh, What's his name again? John Oliver. Yes, John Oliver. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's a magnificent exercise. He was doing something a bit like Russell's teapot there. He was was making up his own own religion. Um, uh, uh, I forget what it's called. I mean, predictably, money started flooding in. (laughs) But but this is not just an American problem. In in Britain, religious organizations also receive tax-exempt uh, status. 
Um, and it's really funny, easy. But why? Are the governments scared of these organizations? I do not why? Know. I mean, I don't know. It, it, it dates from a time when, when it was thought that religion was somehow synonymous with good works. Mm -hmm. And so, in, in, I'm not sure quite what the British law is now, but there was a time when the British law stated that any monotheistic religion was tax exempt. I, I was all for egging on some Hindus <laughs> to uh, go for a test case. But it, 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 is, it is a fact that when, when my British foundation, the British branch of the Richard Dawkins Foundation of Reason and Science, we were applying for tax exempt status. If we could call ourselves a religion, we'd have just sailed through without a problem. As it was, we had to justify reason and science. And I did actually receive a letter from the Charity Commission, which is the government office responsible for granting this charitable status, which said, please explain the benefit of science to humanity. <laughs> you should see the look on Dawkins' face on that piece. <laughs> yeah, and there's a reason that they asked him to say that. Because that's actually, that alludes to something that the IRS put together for the requirements. Um, we, before we get into that, guys, because there's five major bullets as a church, at least in the United States, with the IRS to qualify and maintain qualification, right? Because you have to maintain it to mm -hmm. get tax-exempt status. And we'll talk about those five and we'll, we'll kind of ask each other and the listeners, so to speak, right? Like, what do you guys think? Does the church qualify for this? Try to be as, as you know, open-minded as we can, just with our experience, and, and see if we can answer that. Uh, any thoughts, though, Dave or Mitch, as we jump in, or before we jump in, rather, to those five pieces? By the way, this came as a result of a conversation about cults. That's right. We were talking about Scientology, the J-dubs, the wacko from Waco, and as a result, somehow I went off onto what constitutes a religion. First of all, what is it that's, a, you know, in other words, if I'm going to be tax exempt, how do I prove I'm even a fucking religion? Is it just a document with my name on it that says Reverend, whatever my <laughs> name is? Uh, okay. Or is it more than that? And then we ended up starting to talk about tax exemption. And we thought, yeah, well, that'd be fun to talk about. Yeah. And yeah, it's kind of a dry subject, but the point is the abuse yes. of the church relative to this subject. Yeah, I totally agree. And another thing we were talking about, Dave, that brought it to my mind my wife and I have been watching this series, Scientology and the Aftermath, by Leah Remini. Mm. And for any listeners that have heard of that, you'll recall Leah Remini from King of Queens, the actress. She was a Scientologist. There's a lot of celebrities that have been or are. And she exited the religion, and then she's done a show now. She's on season three of exposing Scientology and, and talking to prior members and stuff like that. And season three, a big focus of this season is to challenge essentially this idea that Scientology should be tax exempt. And mm. that got my brain thinking go. on this too, because back to your point, Dave, they call themselves a religion. No. They're really not. They're really <laughs> not a religion. And it bugs the shit out of me even that, like, if you look at the Scientology logo, the letters, 
you guys may recall, if you've seen that, the T in Scientology is, is a made, cross. made to look like a Christian cross. Right, right. On purpose, right? And it has nothing to do with Christianity. Not that that bothers me. What it right? has to but, do with, it 100% fits the definition of a cult. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah. yeah. Even 100%. more in some ways than the Mormon church does. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, this thing, right, to your point, like, do you have to prove you're not a cult? I would hope so, because cults have been shown to be to be harmful, right, to a society. Well, they, they, so. should, they should be tax exempt. Look at all the money they're spending on mind fucking their people. <laughs> right. Right. You know, it, it, and so I would at least hope. And it's not just religious organizations that can get this tax-exempt status, obviously. So these bullets also apply to, like, educational institutions, you know, universities, stuff like that. But mm-hmm. so, you, so you have to qualify for something in there, right? And I would just say if I was the government, and I guess this was going to be one of our end notes today, say it up front. I mean, I would hope there would at least be, like, a cult test. I would hope that they would take something from somebody like Stephen Hassan, his bite model, right? And run a religion through it or an organization through it and say, if you qualify as a cult, yeah, we're not going to help you out by giving you tax exemption. You know, <laughs> you can be an organization and go for it, you know, but you're not going to get a government break, right? At least. I'm thinking of a, a song by a band named Living Color. Yeah. The cult of personality. And what, what I thought of just a split second before that was the fact that the goddamn government qualifies in a lot of ways as a cult. Yeah, it does. And so who are they to legislate against an organization? Uh, uh, well, we're not sure if you're a cult or not. We know we are, but it, yeah, yeah, come on, get your big boy pants on and let's see what you can do. And come go down on. That people, gonna be definitely most religions would not be able to qualify because yeah god there are right. so many not only religions but institutions that really flirt with that line oh yeah and it's disgusting and so you know and and you could even say going to to Dave's point even more maybe the reason behind not looking in so deep is because the government is so intertwined with so much Christianity and Christianity itself can fall under those lines of becoming cultish because yeah. if you yeah. know, the extremities well, of what they do. And right. so it, Let it me would be like hypocritical. The separation like, hey, of we're church a government. Let's, uh, let's, let's do this. Yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah. Yeah. We were founded on this shit. Oh, crap. Right. right separation out. of church and state. How long is your finger? <laughs> yeah. I yeah. just thought of that. Yeah. Let's shake, brother. Notice all the shaking of hands going on in the Mormon church and among politicians. Yeah. It's the same fucking shit. Yeah. There is no difference between the White House and the White Sepulchre, <laughs> known as the Mormon Temple or right. whatever. Yeah. No. It's a good point. There. It's a good point. And a side note on that that we're all aware of is how much influence from a constituency funding perspective do yeah. religions, do the major big ones anyway, that have money to give, have on the government, right? Huge influence. Huge mm-hmm. influence. Mm-hmm. And so you're giving that up if you challenge this idea well, we're going to tax you motherfuckers now. Okay, well, 
shit, I guess we can't afford to give you, we can't afford to boost your campaign over here in these Bible Belt states then. Well, maybe we can work something out, <laughs> right? You know, it's, yep. yeah, that's definitely part of it. Well, let's, the good, you know, the good old boy, good old boy oh, mentality. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's one of the good old boys, meaning you got him in your back fucking pocket. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why are we in the business of podcasts? Why don't we start a fucking religion? This is ridiculous. You yeah, know, it's funny. I'm not making any money. What yeah. the hell's going on here? I know. My, yeah. my wife and I have laughed about that too a few times. Why don't we just start a religion and make it a good one as much as we can, right? And and let's just, see how <laughs> how can we put Mike, Dave, and Mitch and like. The first presentation. <laughs> the church of, no, no, they wouldn't even go further. We're the Holy Trinity. <laughs> we're the Holy Trinity. <laughs> well, I want to be the Holy Ghost because that's what matters the most, especially right after Halloween. Yeah, you just want to be inside a lot of people. Oh! oh possession oh. is my obsession. <laughs> possession is my obsession. Oh, there we go. We should have called it instead of Poltergeist Heist, Possession Obsession. That's what we should have. Oh my God. Anyway, back to this. The five bullets. First bullet. The organization must be organized and operated exclusively for religious, educational, scientific, or other charitable purposes. Okay. Let's define the word charitable. That's the key word there, isn't it? Yes. yes. Charitable. So you would take religious, educational, or scientific. Well, the Mormon church would grab the religious, okay, or other charitable purposes. Okay, so charitable religious purpose, and that's your exclusive organizational operation purpose. Um, mm. What manner of man is there among you if, if one asks him for his coat does not give him his slacks as well? I, that's a misquote. But, you know, <laughs> right. That's Jesus. Jesus said, yeah, go the extra mile. That charity is a recognition that you and I are in the same boat. Yeah. You're Experiences don't match mine exactly, but we're really in the same boat, taking the same ride. And so you're just an extension of me and and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so does the church qualify? Is, uh, is nope. that their exclusive operation? Negative. Negatory. Why? So give us a couple <laughs> examples. Why do we say no? Because of their actual financial statements. <laughs> I think that's probably the better proof of any, right? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, it, a charitable organization tends to not hoard assets, either in cash, as the church does through its assets, which exceed hundreds of billions of dollars. I just thought of Carl Sagan. Yeah. Billions, billions and, and billions, billions of, of dollars ago. <laughs> or he, he would say billions of stars, right? So we could yeah, just right. substitute stars and with he, dollars. He's right. He's right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's true. Uh, okay. And then real estate, billions and billions of dollars in real estate, right? And, and yet your exclusive operation is charitable. So how much of that money and how much of that real estate are you enriching society with? You know, and I think we brought this up before, but the actual presence of a physical structure deepens the testimony of the average member. See, there's the church, yep. and they're talking about 
the, the ward building or the steakhouse or even the temple. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the church is true because look, there's the fucking church. There's right the there. proof. It's everywhere. Scientology yeah, no. brought that up in this ep- in this series of science or season rather of Scientology. They point out that Scientology under David Miscavige, which is a whole new cuckoo after LRH, <laughs> um, Miscavige has created these ideal orgs. He calls them. Buildings that represent the ideal structure of Scientology, how he, how the organization should move forward. And there's over a hundred of these ideal org buildings over the world. Somewhere somebody posted online an estimate of, so of their worth, of what they could be charitable with. The church actually gives, uh, they gave an estimate, like uh, know, pittance. One tenth of <laughs> one tenth of one percent or something like that, right? Of their actual ability to be charitable. Let me so just make we, a condensed <laughs> yeah. statement on that. Jesus is pissed. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's pissed. <laughs> I mean, good God, people. Especially in the condition the world is in now. Are you looking around? Yeah. It, we, we tend not to look because we know what we're going to see. Yeah. People are fucked over yeah. globally. Yeah. Globally. This is a time when if you have resources, you share yeah. resources. That's is right. the church involved in that? No. Amongst their own people? A little bit. Tiny bit. Yeah. A yeah. little bit. Even if you are an active member and you want to take advantage of things like the bishop's storehouse and get food and stuff, you can't just do that. There's check boxes. You, you gotta, know, and, you know. And this kind of matches those bullets. If yeah. you think about it, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, I never thought of that. There's bullets you got to check to be able to be allowed to partake of the charity. There you go. So that's another go. bullshit. Okay, are, second bullet. Had you, <laughs> are you currently paying tithing? We know you're completely upside down. You're broke, but are you paying your tithing? <laughs> right. <laughs> what? Yeah, 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 what? whatever. It's just hilarious. And then so, there's those members that uh, you get in arguments with where they get all technical and they're like, the church, they gave charitable donations of upwards of $40 million and then you compare that and you're like, wait a minute. So they've got over a hundred billion dollars. That's like telling somebody uh, a millionaire, a millionaire is like, you know what? I'm going to give 40 bucks to my favorite charity. <laughs> so you remember the slogan from the, the depression in 29 to 39, actually, to be correct about that. Can you spare a dime, brother? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And literally, the brother part fits. Brother, can you spare a dime? <laughs> can, yeah. you, can, you, can you spare a dime? And, well, fuck, a dime back then would buy you a loaf of bread. So, yeah. 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 Like a little bit. Sorry. First bullet is a solid no. <laughs> yeah. Right. They fail your, fail yeah, your big red light right. flashing. Yeah. Second bullet. Do you have that in front of you, Mitch? I do. You want to read the second bullet? Uh, yeah. I, w- I would love to, Brother Mike. Oh, uh, thank you, Brother Mitch. Brother, brother. in your to the benefit of any private individual or shareholder. Okay. Oh, shit. So you can't you can't benefit any private individual or shareholder from your earnings, which uh, is their themselves. <laughs> right. So <laughs> wait so, a minute. We we are the shareholder. So well, the irony here would be. In my, kind of in my opinion, the irony is if what the church claimed for decades and decades was true, 
that nobody is paid in the leadership, right? That would be true, but they're paid. And it's not just they're paid. I don't, I don't think that's the point here because most churches, as you guys know, ecclesiastical churches, the priests have a salary, right? It's not that. It's not that they have a salary. Do they actually get private benefit from earnings? So not just the donations, etc., right? And this is another issue where the church has gotten in trouble. And this was the big whistleblower 100 billion thing, right, that came out recently. As a church, even if you're tax exempt, if you have things that are in an investment, you don't have to pay on your investment total. So the 100 billion, let's say, although it's probably closer to four or 600, but you have to pay on the earnings. So of the 100 billion, if you had a bad year and you only made a billion off of that 100 billion, you have to pay taxes on the growth. Yeah, which would be a hundred million. Which would be a hundred million or whatever the taxes come out to be, right? Yeah. And no, that's, that's what well, they haven't been doing. Whatever they haven't yeah. been paying a full tax on the growth. And so, what are they doing then? They're benefiting from the growth, and that benefit goes to private individuals and shareholders. Well, here's where you may have gone astray, there, Michael. You know, the churches exist to share brotherly loves and loves. <laughs> Brotherly love and and the teachings of Jesus. Never mind that ninety five percent of the general authorities are former businessmen. Yeah, that's 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 incidental. There yeah. doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Well, and it even to further correct, Mike, the church is saving to move to Missouri or to to, to <laughs> buy. His- yeah, I and have also, to agree with the audience. Well, well if, if, if the this, second, ha- the second like coming, the original oh, church that started in the 1830s, they're going to buy America. That's the plan, and yeah. they're going to run the whole, the yeah, whole uh, right. country, and hopefully the whole world. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. hopefully, yeah. Sure, yeah. Uh, <laughs> alrighty. <laughs> so that's a no. Third bullet, no substantial part of its activity may be attempting to influence legislation. Oh, my fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Can we think of some recent examples? Oh, my God. Trump is Captain America. Captain Morocco and Captain America. (laughs) Captain America. Oh, my God. And we, you know what? We don't even know the half of it is my guess. Yeah. There's a clip but I wanted we can to ass- grab. We can assume. We can assume pretty accurately. Yeah. There's a clip I wanted to grab for this episode, and I, I didn't. You guys, listeners, may have heard of this before. The senator for Oregon, I believe, is the senator, was recorded saying, you know, answering about this topic of how much influence does the church have on politicians, etc. Right? And he he was talking about how the reason he voted for the Iraq War was that he was encouraged to do so by the church because it would, quote-unquote, open the area for missionary work. <laughs> um, so this is just one of many examples. Oh, my God. One of many examples. So, you know, it's better to save 10 and let 100,000 die. Of than, course. Uh, I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, that's or perfectly whatever. logical. What? Yeah. What I love is the double standards of the... The members, how they're, you know, you get in arguments with them and they're like, the church stays out of politics. And then, I, you know, the next week I'm at my mom's and she's uh, inactive now, but she's shown me this email she got from the official church website saying, 
we encourage you to vote this way or to it, that one. I think yeah. it was prop two for, for medical marijuana. Yep. Yep. And mm-hmm. they, sure. there was this whole mass email. I got it and I'm not even a member anymore. And I was just like, Oh yeah, you guys, you guys are not influencing legislation at all. This is, <laughs> this is <laughs> so the third bullet is a big no. Uh Oh, they're, yeah. over, they're over Down five, the tubes. over five or over three right now. Let's see about the fourth one. The organization may not intervene in political campaigns. The uh, whoopsie doopsie. Yeah. <laughs> what? That's related to the third one, but it's just singling out campaigns. So again, let me mention the fact that mid-October, typically in a ward house, you will get a member of the bishopric will stand behind the pulpit and read a message supposedly from the first presidency that we do not endorse any political party mm-hmm. and vote your conscience. However, Among the mingling brethren and the rhetoric beneath the table or under the table, whatever the hell way you want to call it. uh, Yeah, there's a clear agenda. Definitely. There. And Mm -hmm. for years and years, Republicans were considered conservative. And so Mormons voted Republican. Not completely. I don't want to say that. Yeah. That wouldn't be true. Pretty much. But the majority, without even considering. You know, where this person, where what their stand was, what they stood for. Yeah. You know, they just, oh, he's Republican. Oh, God loves him. I'll vote. <laughs> right. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. They'll say out of one corner of their mouth, we don't support either way. And out of the other corner of their mouth, they'll say, well, if, keeping that in mind, if your conscience and your spirit is working correctly... <laughs> <laughs> Which, if you're an active LDS, it is. <laughs> then you'll probably think this way. <laughs> not saying anything. Not saying you have to, but... Hint, hint. <laughs> hint, here. Little jab with the elbow there. Yeah. All right. Wink and a mm-hmm. nod, as they call it. Wink and a nod, right? Mitch, I don't know if you had anything else to say on that. It sounded like you were going to say something, but I was also going to ask if you want to take the last bullet. I'd love to take the last bullet. I, I was going to share an experience I had in high school when a few of my friends, they were Mormon, were talking about a Democratic candidate. And my cousin came up to me and she was like, you can't be Mormon and Democrat. That's wrong. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. And I, you know, me, I was very, I was very Mormon. So I was like, yeah, what the heck? That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's, yeah it's, thank it's you for that. I mean, I think it's more, uh, you find more Democrats or liberals, they're popping up in Mormonism more. Yeah. But yeah, they are. Like they how, are. You went through the sure. church leadership and tallied how many are conservative and Republican. Hmm. Uh, it would be overwhelmingly, probably every single one of them. They'd oh, yeah. be like, yeah, well, you know, this is where I stand. But I'm not going to tell you how to vote. Yeah. However, you know, you know what's going to make God happy. You know, I'm not going to have to say it. You already know because you're a tithe paying (laughs) and temple attending Mormon. So, you know what the others don't know. Yeah. (laughs) That was deep. Um, (laughs) Scary. A little bit Halloweenish, huh? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I was actually just referring to your voice. Did you? Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, 
All right. Fifth bullet. The organization's purposes and activities may not be illegal or violate fundamental public policy. Mm. This is one where some people might want to give the church a pass. I disagree mm-hmm. for a few reasons, but I want to hear your guys' thoughts first on this. This one I hadn't considered doing so now as we speak. This would be the most well-hidden yeah. one. Yeah. Is what I'm going to say on that. Mm-hmm. The others are obviously have been infringed upon. Yeah. This one, uh, we can kind of keep this under the covers. What do you think, Mitch? I agree. It's definitely not. The, the other four just pop out and we all of us were like, yeah, well, this, they obviously don't qualify. And this one, it, ironically, with the church, you know, how it actually is very secretive church manipulative church so this this one it's a little harder to spot but it's definitely there yeah it's less in your face for sure when it's you part of those secret temple meetings <laughs> going on. well i this is what i think of when i see the word illegal or violate fundamental public policy that phrase What's a fundamental public policy? Well, one fundamental public policy, when I see the term public policy even, I think yeah. of things like consumer protection, consumer rights, you know, stuff like that, making sure people aren't taken mm-hmm. advantage of. And so I think of things like the Fair Credit Reporting Act, you know, when you're applying for credit and stuff like and Or the uh, Better yeah, Business Bureau. Better Business Bureau type organizations, yeah, so people aren't, mm-hmm. quote unquote, taken advantage of, right, by bad, you know, merchants or whatever. And I think of things that happen in the church, like the overall defrauding of its members. And and this is the case, this was the court case recently with the woman who had joined as an adult. She joined under the first narrative that most of us grew up with. The church changed its narrative through the Gospel Topic Essays in 2013, which were in complete contradiction of what she was taught. And so she's suing for fraud. They, you defrauded me. I believed this story. This is the story I joined with, and I'm giving tithes and offerings to the church for this. And now you're saying the story has changed. You're, you're, it's kind of a bait and switch, you know, message here. Mm-hmm. And I oh, don't, yeah. I don't believe the new narrative. So you've defrauded me. I want my money back that I paid thinking that it was this, right? You didn't say anything about Joseph using a rock and a hat. You said that he was reading the plates and translating them, right? So, this kind of thing. So the overall concept of defrauding its members with known fallacies, I think, is is violating fundamental public policy. And the second thing yes. in my mind that I was going to bring up is the well-known problem that's been documented very often, unfortunately, of this culture in the church where an adult man can meet with a single woman or a minor child mm-hmm behind a closed door and that that's normal and that's okay and it's also okay if that adult man asks them sexually explicit questions oh yeah and that's okay Mm -hmm. and what you have is this collection of pedophiles who have joined the church and risen up the ranks so that they can take advantage of that environment and by the way the only thing you have to do to rise up the ranks is just keep saying yes that's right Yes, man. Yes, man. Yeah. yeah. So you're reminding me of something that Jonathan Streeter recently released, misinformed consent. He's speaking of the medical 
yeah, field, right. which he is a part of. And informed consent is you explain everything to the patient and say, would you now sign this mm-hmm. that you agree to this procedure mm-hmm. for the various reasons that have been stated? Whereas in the church, it's misinformed consent. And what he's driving at is that, well, no, tithing. Now, I'm not going to change the subject, but tithing, you know, it closely relates to this, is a free will offering. And so no one can be sued. The church can't be sued because they misrepresented what the payment of tithings is all about. And he, oh, my God, you got to look at this. It just was released, I think, yesterday. I don't know, day before. Misinformed consent. So. I'll, yeah. Let's move on. I just wanted to bring that up. No, it's excellent. And point. Something ironic that comes to my mind also is you hear members say, well, you know, the church has always abided with the laws of the land. And you go back not too long ago with polygamy <laughs> and they were breaking the law. And the only reason why they were like, OK, we got to stop this is to start getting those advantages, those those financial advantages and to become more tax exempt because they knew they could not continue as a church to be tax exempt if they were breaking the law. Yeah. So what is the church in essence? The church is a corporation. (laughs) Well, it is. And literally. And it is, it is stated as such. Yeah. And I know I've already mentioned this. I went into the, the building where you buy all your supplies for teaching and every other damn thing. And, I went in to buy some posters to supplement my teaching and I got my checkbook out and I thought, hang on, what? Who do I write the check to? And she said, write it out to the corporation of the president. And as an active, deep in over my fucking neck member of the church, that triggered me. I'm like, what? And that was one of those early triggers where I was like, the corporation of the president? Yeah. Shouldn't I be writing the check to Jesus? Yeah. (laughs) Seriously, man. Okay. The corporation of the first presidency of the, I forget the exact title. Yeah. Corporation of the president of the church. But that, yeah. yeah. So that's what it is, folks. Yeah. It's corporation. It's corporation. It has amassed enormous wealth and continues to be tax exempt. Yeah. That's right. And this document, in case you guys are interested, it's obviously free access, the IRS's 501c3 document, Tax Guide for Churches and Religious Organizations is the title of it. And it's got the five bullets as we talked, and then as you might imagine, it has a section on each, right? And it talks about details and like, what does it mean to be charitable? How much percentage of your, you know, stuff should you be? Right. And, and, you know, as you read through the details, you continue to see that the church does not qualify. And mm-hmm. especially organizations like Scientology, which is just almost to the level of just ludicrousness of, <laughs> anyway, that's a whole side note, but. So. Um, yeah. yeah, Scientology is more like an MLM or something. <laughs> it kind of is. Right? It operates a lot like an MLM, and it's not a religion at all, although it claims to be. That's one of the big thorns in my side about it. Just call yourself uh, an educational, psychological support group, right, with your clear objectives and trying to help people mentally. Don't call yourself a religion. There's right. No, I, think, no I think deity. the one that mimics Mormonism the closest, and I – hadn't really thought this through until just now. J-Dubs. Jehovah's Witness, yeah. 
I yeah. agree. Yeah, they have some weird stuff Mormons don't like blood transfusions, which is kind of weird. Well, you uh, got to watch out for that colored blood. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> With your right. that's not the point we're making, folks. No, no. God will intervene as your son or daughter dies on the hospital bed. Well, no, that was the will of God too, and that's very Mormon esque. If he's healed, it was God's will. If he dies, it's God. Oh, that's convenient. Oh, God wins every time. Yeah. It's <laughs> That's another subject. Another subject. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I just, I mean, you know, this is the gift that just keeps giving. <laughs> this church is so full of shit. Everywhere you turn, there's a fresh shit burger handed to you. Here, have some of this. There's more. You thought you were going to run out? Oh, hell no. Here. <laughs> Here's another shit burger. Eat up. Hey, Dave, you know, don't kink shame. A lot of people like that. Stuff. Oh, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> I misspoke. Sorry, folks. Oh, God. Ugh. A lot of people. <laughs> I don't know about a lot of Not people. Bitch. <laughs> what kind of groups are you running with, man? <laughs> That's like saying a lot of people are Scientologists. Uh, I think it's like. 10,000 people or something. It's pretty small. Anyway, man, thanks for joining us again for a wild ride. Keep paying tithing. Keep paying tithing. Yeah, there you go, man. Well, you know, Gordy, Gordy, just r- real quick, one question. Is Gordy here? No. Uh, no. I don't think he is. I think, I, I mean, I, I, I felt his presence because he's, re- he's a resurrected being. So I kind of felt something. I was going to ask him about Marjorie. And how he's doing with his wife. I know you have multiple partners, but I somebody <laughs> sent sent me a picture of you with a inflatable doll. And I was wondering if that really kind of bothered Marjorie. Gordy, are you there? Uh, no. Oh, well, wait a minute. I'm here. <laughs> well, how do you explain that picture? First, I just I saw the doll and then I realized, oh, that's Gordy. Gordy's holding the doll what the hell and you know just look i like marjorie first first off i want to know where the hell you got that picture where is it going around the internet what the hell are you are you tapping into my computer or my phone that's personal dude i can't name my sources you know because i'm because i'm a freemason i can't name my sources why are you still a fucking Freemason? You just got out of the morning church. <laughs> well, old habits die hard, man. My, my goddamn business. You understand that? <laughs> all right, all right. Well, I kind of, in a, in a kinky way, was wondering if it all worked out for you all right. Well, what do you think? Of course it's working. If it didn't, then Marjorie would not be with me. We. We like each other. We 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 explore. We have fun. I sometimes like sex. So sue me. <laughs> Good for you, Gordy. You go, boy. You go. Oh God, that's funny. All right. <laughs> On the sex doll with Gordon Hinckley note. I think that's a good time to. Uh... <laughs> Exit stage left. Exit stage left. We'll we'll talk to you guys next time. Peace out. See ya. 